Hi, 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 <laughs> and hey, hey, and welcome back to another edition of Talk More Talk, a solo Beatles video cast. This is a bi-weekly show that we do every two weeks on Monday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel, and here on this show, most of the time, we talk about the solo careers of the Beatles. I'm Ken Michaels. I'm one of the four regular co-hosts of this show. I do hope that you are familiar with some of my other programs on the Beatles, including a syndicated radio show called Every Little Thing, which has been on the air for almost 40 years now and um, runs on about 50 radio stations. And I'm also a part of another bi-weekly talk show podcast called Things We Said Today. And I've also got a YouTube channel, Ken Michaels Radio, and all the conversations on there are all about the Beatles. <laughs> and I'm being joined, as I usually am, by my three esteemed colleagues here. First, we'll start with uh, the author of several Beatle books, including Songs We Were Singing, Guided Tours to the Beatles' Lesser Known Tracks, Michael Jackson, FAQ, All That's Left to Know About the King of Pop, and also Fandom and the Beatles, which she collaborated on with Ken Womack. She is a frequent writer for Beatle fan. And in fact, she just completed an online course on the career of Stevie Wonder. So I think that it's safe to say that without question, she is the sunshine <laughs> of our lives. Oh. Welcome, welcome kiddo tool. That was very sweet. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Joe. And that's why she'll always be around. Oh, thank you. <laughs> We're so here. corny that's here right. on this show. <laughs> hey, guys, hi, between, everybody out there. Between being corny and the puns that we do, right. we're in a class all, all by our, ourselves. It's mm. all part of our show. So how are you doing today, Kit? I'm doing great. Glad to be with you all. <laughs> okay. Also, we have with us one half of the team of Two Legs, a Paul McCartney podcast. And this is a show where, you know, you just can't keep up with these two guys. <laughs> you, like a cat, you need nine lives to keep up with all the shows that they keep cranking out. Very busy putting out high quality shows all the time. And uh, along with Andy Nichols, we put together a great show. Tom Hunyadi, welcome. Thank you, Ken. Very nice of you. Uh, you know, Kit, Joe. That's going to be a fun one. Let's uh, let's get the debate going here. This is going to be good. <laughs> let's right. go. There's a lot of debatable points here. Yes, there are. Yes, indeed. Also, we have with us Joe Mayo, who you might know as Mean Mr. Mayo. He has his own YouTube channel, which has been going on for, what is it, about 10 years now, Joe? Yeah, it'll be 10 years in May. Mm. Yeah. Wow. All right. A lot of anniversaries here. <laughs> <laughs> connected with this show and uh 
He does a lot on pop culture, lots of conversations on the Beatles. He does his own uh, Fab Gab, where he rates tracks on uh, Beatle albums and solo Beatle albums. Joe Mayo, welcome aboard. Hey, <laughs> thanks, Ken. Hello, kid. Hello, Tom. And let's Hello. go talk about Ringo. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Ringo night right here <laughs> yeah. on my Indeed. shirt. Oh, and, very nice. Um, so now what we're going to do is um, once in a while, we've kind of lightly touched upon this topic about Ringo's career in the 70s. And we all know that in the first half of the 70s, my goodness, he did so well with hit records and two big selling albums. And then everything kind of came to a halt right after that, after the Goodnight Vienna album. So we're going to pose the question, why? What happened all of a sudden with Ringo's career? And I have a feeling we'll have a lot of different answers here. It's not as simple a topic. You know, there's a lot of areas we can go to here. Um, very debatable points, I foresee, <laughs> in this hour on the show. Uh, but before we do that, we have the latest Beatle news to get to. And uh, we start with, and you may have heard this by now, uh, last Friday, uh, it was announced that Paul McCartney will once again be starting another tour to be called the Got Back Tour. And uh, so far, he'll be touring North America beginning April 28th at the Spokane Arena in Spokane, Washington. And it'll be running through June the 16th at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, all together. And uh, we don't know if any dates will be added. So it's a possibility. But right now there's a total of 14 dates over roughly six weeks. Um, there's actually going to be a pre-sale tomorrow. There's actually two pre-sales. There's going to be one with uh, American Express where their members can purchase tickets at 10 a.m. local time. And at 12 p.m., uh, fans who have signed up to uh, paulmccartney.com to their newsletter they hopefully by now have gotten an exclusive, exclusive password uh, ahead of the sale. And so, like I said, that'll be at 12 noon. And for the general public, tickets go on sale this Friday, February 25th, happy birthday, George, yeah. at 10 a.m. local time. Um, and it is interesting that Paul's tour will actually overlap with Ringo's mm. um, because there are a few days when they'll be playing in the U.S. the same night. Huh. So um, the big news here, I mean, you know that it's in his heart to keep performing. And he had planned on touring right when COVID hit. So true to yep. his word, he's getting back on the road. You guys want to comment on your feelings about this? I'm certainly not in shock about it. Yeah, not in shock. However, you know, with the, with the state of his voice these days, I prefer if he if he kept it for you know studio recordings, myself. But I you know, you you know it was going to happen. You, you you just knew. I mean, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm grateful he's still going. Yeah. Um. And if he was coming to Arizona, I would definitely be first in line to get a ticket. You know, absolutely. So, but uh, yeah. but yeah. I I feel the same yeah. as Tom. I mean, I, I knew Paul was dying to to get back. And he, he wants to go on the road. He loves playing for people and the adoration and, uh, you know, being out there. And uh, 
for him, I'm glad. But I, yeah, I was worried too. You know, um, I'm hoping that maybe he, since he's had time to rest his voice, maybe it will, it will, it'll be pretty good. I'm hoping for the best. Uh, I, I too feel sometimes like it's the records, as I always say, really that will endure. You know, generations to come. If he should make any new records, I'd like. Right. You know, I, I'd like to see him make some records instead of, uh, or he's probably going to do both. Let's face it, knowing Paul. But also, when I when I have my channel, so many comments are from young people. They say, "Well, I've never gotten to see Paul," and I say, "Well, that's on you because he's been out since '89." Uh, right. He says, "No, no, but I'm nine years old. I'm ten years old, or <laughs> something like that." Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I say, "Well, then, yeah." So some of those are the really small fans get a chance at least yeah, yeah i'm i'm not surprised either i mean when people were saying uh you know as the pandemic hit and as it was going on like oh paul's never going to tour again i thought uh-uh i mean he's he loves playing live so much i i thought he's going to tour at least one more time um you know i don't know whether this would be the final tour or not um yeah i i too have mixed feelings about it i mean probably you know if he comes to to chicago and hint paul make a chicago date um i i would go but yeah i i would in a way wish he i I agree with you guys i wish he would save his voice for uh albums uh, for studio recordings because as you said those will last uh longer and he has toured so much um you know, over the past 20 years or, or so. Uh, but you have a point, Joe, you know, there are a lot of people who, and, and particularly younger, younger people who would like to see him live, who've never had the opportunity. So even if his voice isn't in perfect shape, he's Paul McCartney, you know, right. people cut mm-hmm. him slack because yeah. of who once, he is. Yeah, once the show starts, all that goes out the window, you know. Right. We, yeah, we can oh, criticize yeah. now, you know, but when that show starts, it doesn't matter what he sounds like, you're still having a good time. And yeah. especially if yeah. you've never seen him before and if you're, if you're younger, it's just really amazing, uh, you know, a, a real jolt of excitement and to be in the same stadium or, or venue breathing the same air as uh, one of the... <laughs> yep. Beatles, so to speak. Right. I mean, uh, I'm sure nobody will really be disappointed, uh, especially if it's your first time and you're and you're younger, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for the most part, I kind of agree with everything that you guys are saying, and you know, as I said on my other podcast, things we said today, the selfish part of me wants as many albums from Paul right. for what's <laughs> left in his career, you know. But at the same time. Kind of like what you said, Joe, and I've been saying this for years to so many people, believe it or not, that have never seen him live before. And thankfully, we have new fans of his Beatles, solo music, you name it. And it's also a great feeling for me. You know, it's so easy to be critical. Um, But one of the great jolts I get from seeing Paul live is seeing a family near me bring their kids and watching the young ones and how excited they are and you know this is music that they're discovering or they've only known for a few years and they know that this is a legend and it's so exciting and you know they're not thinking to you know to themselves that's not the same voice he had in the last tour or or you know (laughs) the 89 90 tour or wings over america but um i think that in some ways it's a blessing that he's doing this because he doesn't have to do it and he's doing it because he enjoys it he really does he loves the feedback he loves entertaining people and he he also he's human and he sees how much 
these concerts affect people, how much he means in the lives of so many people. So he realizes that. He's and putting so people to, he's, he's putting people back to work as well. Sorry. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. And not only and to, are there go ahead. Yeah, a lot of people that have never seen him live before. Um, there's a lot of people that may have only seen him once, would like to see him again. There might be certain areas of the world where he hasn't really played that much. Um, you know, I was saying before um, on my other show that when he toured Australia a few years ago, that was the first time since the Wings days. Right. You know, a lot of people right. were waiting for a long time. So, you know, uh, when you see Ringo and the All-Stars, it's a great feeling. It's, it's a, a, you know, a great collaboration between all the great musicians that are on stage. But Ringo will never do an all Ringo show of just his music. But Paul will. And if you want to hear, you know, uh, you know, a lot of Beatles songs along with his solo <laughs> material, then you can't get any better than this. And I do wonder, the only thing that I questioned, and I, you know, Paul is the type that is so proud and uh, may, <laughs> I should say a little stubborn, but um, I think he, he likes the fact that he can be there on stage and give you three hours of music yeah. and there'd be no crime if he cut back at all you know yeah. he is approaching 80 here and you know musicians who are 20 or 30 or 40 to be on stage for three hours that's grueling and they don't yeah. do that they don't no. do it they <laughs> just don't do it yeah yeah, yeah. let's let's let's, let's hope the set list gets a, a freshen up too I, that's know. what i was yeah <laughs> i hope so yeah i really so hope there's some there. tweaking there <laughs> yes. don't start with a hard day's night right. anymore right, right. Like that's been going on now for a long long time yep. uh, i just like i just like the opening song it, it, it can be so exciting i love some of the opening choices he's had magical mystery tour uh hello goodbye and so forth and you know drive my car uh, -huh. uh I, I just would like to see a change you know, i agree yeah. And I will say this one thing, because um, several years ago when he opened his tour at Yankee Stadium and I was there for that show, you know, because of the fact that we do the work that we do and I'm always reporting the news, I'm fully aware of what he's doing live. But mm. this was the first show of the tour, so I wasn't. So it's so exciting the first time that you realize, oh, he's never played another day. I mean, uh, another girl before. Right. Yeah, you know, he's never yeah. done 1985 before. Mm -hmm. And when you know, if you're there, if you if you don't keep up on the news and you just go, then you can be pleasantly surprised, you know, at the new additions. I wish there yeah. would be more of them. Right. But um, yeah, I'm still excited about this, you know. And um, I think it's a great thing that he's doing this for the fans. You know, the night before, that was a biggie that yeah. Uh, yeah. I always wanted him to do. Right. And when he did Actually, that, Actually, he was did so the happy. night before. Uh, I should have said the night before instead of another girl. He did another girl like mm. the next year. Mm. But the night mm. before and 1985 were brand new mm -hmm. to that tour. And I was so excited about that. Yeah. 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 Hoping he does some McCartney 3 stuff too. Uh, you know, usually when he goes out on tour with a new album, he'll do three or four songs from, from that album. So hopefully he'll do a Find My Way or a, you know, a Sliding or a Woman and Wives or Lavatory Lil. Yeah, Tim Allen <laughs> just said that. Maybe we'll start with Lavatory Lil. There you go. <laughs> maybe maybe he'll close the show with, with uh, right. a deep feeling. Yeah. 
Yeah. We'll close the show with deep, deep, deep feeling. feeling. There you go. There we go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Deep. Which I now like. I like that one. Mm. I do too. <laughs> so. All right. Uh, in other news here, Ringo Starr's new book yep. lifted. And Kid is Lift now it lifting it up. Yep. All right. Let me let me turn off my uh my my background because otherwise you won't be able to see it at all. So hang on. I'm gonna okay. get really boring just for a second here so you I can actually show it. There we go. There, there it go. is. Lifted. Mm. Just just got it today. Mm -hmm. Me too. And, I have yep. my copy right here. Mm -hmm. So Tom, um, did you order one? Oh, I ordered five. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I was one. saying it might be a, a, a good idea because Paul, I hear, is in it. Yeah. Oh. There he is. Thank That's you. Thank you. Right. <laughs> Thank you. But not so, you know. We're going to do like an unboxing here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we, I, I, oh. Actually, Tom, you mentioned it. Yeah. Maybe I'll do an unboxing on our uh, on our channel uh, sometime this week. Mm -hmm. We'll do that. So okay. we'll have time to go through. Uh, more of the book we probably won't have time tonight but uh, but from what i've seen so far as i said i i just got it today so mm. i haven't had time to go through all of it but it's very nice very Gee, nice that's a rare shot yeah, <laughs> yeah, i haven't seen that yeah. one before yeah there are, <laughs> oh, boy. There aren't like super rare shot but there are some mm. there are some that that i haven't seen before this but one then, was from beatles for sale <laughs> but like uh there's Another one. Okay. That I, a couple of these that I don't recall hmm. seeing before. Okay. Mm, one of Paul and Jane. And, uh, yeah, you can see so. that red hair a mile away. Yeah, exactly. And then this <laughs> one of George. I don't know if I recall that one. So it's kind of a mixture um, that you're going to oh. see some rare shots and then you'll see plenty that you have seen before but uh right but yeah i'll do a uh i'll do a an unboxing uh, on our channel at some point so mm -hmm. look at more detail but so far it's it's an enjoyable read yeah, yeah. Uh, i ordered mine late i ordered it i ordered it late yeah i didn't get it yet ringo has said that it's it's uh, a lot of photos that he lifted off the internet that he didn't take himself and some of his own oh, and there are some that that we are quite familiar with in there as yes. well but um yeah, yeah at first i thought lifted meant like mm, spiritually <laughs> lifted now i'm realizing it's stuff that we've seen off the internet <laughs> he lifted it all. from not the all. internet <laughs> okay <laughs> well maybe it has a double meaning there that we right. will be uplifted too from looking yes. at these photos mm. Um, so for those that don't know, the proceeds of this book will go to Ringo's charity, the Lotus Foundation. Ringo appeared on the Jimmy Kimmel show uh, last Thursday night. He was also on Australia's version of their Today Show to promote the book. And he also talked about the Get Back documentary. Ringo was very funny and uh, yes. in top form for both those shows. Among the topics covered was how he came to write Octopus's Garden. I hate to bring this up, but it was brought up in both shows. The subject, the subject of farting. <laughs> that, is that scene in Get Back where Ringo admitted that he just farted. He just basically said, mm. you learn being in the band that when you do something like that, you have to own up and confess. Yeah. Okay. 
Oh. It's a new revelation for us here about the. Beatles. I always thought it was whoever smelt it dealt it. <laughs> well, whoever denied it supplied it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Oh my god! So um, <laughs> anyway, I'm just surprised it was even brought up. You know, <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel. They played the clip of all the things to show. Yes, they did. Right. Of course they did. Anyway. If you're interested in getting uh, the new Ringo book, it is sold exclusively through Julian's Auctions. Go to juliansauctions.com. Jimmy showed a photo of Ringo, wife Barbara, and Joe Walsh with his wife Marjorie. And uh, they attended the Super Bowl. Mm. And Jimmy asked if Ringo's a Rams fan. And Ringo said yes when he's in L.A. (laughs) But he also... (laughs) He's followed football here, he says, and he's a Dallas Cowboys fan. Mm. And this photo was posted online. Ringo posted the words, we are the champions. Go Rams, go. Peace and love. As I said on my other show, I wish he had just said Ram on. Right. <laughs> that would have been nice. That would have been good. Um, other news here. According to The Guardian, it's now reported that the Beatles rooftop performance first shown in IMAX theaters on the 53rd anniversary of, uh, of the event, January 30th, followed by three days in IMAX theaters, February 11th, 12th, and 13th, is now being shown in conventional theaters in the UK. This was as of last Friday. I'm not sure if it's going to be shown in the US. If anyone watching or listening has any information about that, please please let us know. I looked locally here. I didn't see any listing for it, but at least um, if we have any UK listeners, you still have your chance to see um, the the, uh, rooftop performance in theaters. George Harrison is on the front cover of Mojo magazine with the words, the quiet Beatles fight to be heard. And the issue also has a tribute to Ronnie Spector. Owen Lynn's new book, George Harrison in the seventies comes out March 24th. That's the official date. I've done a number of interviews with Owen, great guest, and you just had him on two legs yes, with Andy. Yep. Um, so um, got to get him back. For yeah, all we'll plan to have him here. Especially. We'll plan to have him here. Mm-hmm. Yep, we talked about that yesterday or Sunday as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, another record store day is approaching. And we've got a few items to announce for that day, which is April the 23rd. Now, the press release that I read um, said that there's a 12 inch of Paul McCartney's Women and Wives. For the UK. When I brought this, that's only in the UK? Only in the UK. Yeah. Oh, okay. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, okay. only in the UK. Um, and on Dark Horse Records, the 1974 single, Shanker Family and Friends. Uh, with I Am Missing You, Back With Lust. That's the 45. Um, It did come out in 74 as a 45, so that's being released for Record Store Day. Plus, on translucent vinyl, one in orange, one in Mm -hmm. blue, the Ringo the Fourth album, and there will only be a 1,000 copies made of each. Of each. And that's from the folks of Friday Music. Half of them will wind up in Tom's hands, I think. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, that'll make four copies, I think, four different colors of Ringo's Ringo the from Friday Music. Yeah, they they, yeah Friday Music because they're already two out. Right. So wow, 
So McCarty I will definitely uh, three revisited. Yeah, I'll get the I'll get the orange translucent for sure. Um, so you'll get whatever okay. the store has, right? I yeah. will tell I you the... right now. I'm getting the orange. <laughs> <laughs> I want the orange as well. But if your store does not stock it, you might be stuck. I want orange. The orange one too. I mean, I, I'm you know, I'll get that one. Yep. One but yeah, at first when I heard women, at first when I heard women and wives was going to be part of it, I'm like, Joe's going to be really excited because I know right. you love I that I really song. love that. So that's my favorite song off McCartney 3, and I really yeah. would like to have that. So any of my uh, fans, friends out there in England, hey, get, get me a copy of Women and Wives. I'll pay for it, you know. <laughs> that's definitely one of my favorite songs from the album. Yeah. Yes. Uh, let's see. According to Beatles author and historian Keith Badman, Paul McCartney has been invited in some capacity to appear at the Queen's Platinum Party at the Palace event at Buckingham Palace on June the 4th. He posted this on his Facebook page, but we now know that Paul is due to perform that night in Syracuse, New York. Mm. Okay, so basically this, this just means he was invited to it. He probably will not be attending snubbing another queen several <laughs> i'd love to see him perform her majesty in front of the queen yeah right. that'd be fun wouldn't that be cool yeah. do an extended version right you know, maybe make it like you know but didn't he do seconds. that for her birthday with the 75th birthday or something like that didn't he do that i don't remember that mm. is that possible it's possible if anyone uh, knows if anybody remembers that know. i don't yeah, remember that but, yeah yeah Hmm. Right. But Keith has written a number of Beatle books, The Beatles After the Breakup, The Beatles Off the Record, and The Beatles The Dream is Over. A few more news items here. Uh, you might be familiar with the organization called Theater Within. Every year since John Lennon's death, they have put on Lennon tribute shows in New York City close to the anniversary of John's death. And this year, they're actually announcing a Lennon and McCartney celebration mm. featuring their first ever concert of the music of Paul McCartney to celebrate his upcoming 80th birthday in June. Theater Within's concert will be the day after Paul's birthday, June the 19th, which will be held at the City Winery in New York City. And their annual tribute to John, which is held at Symphony Space, on Broadway and 95th Street is being moved to October the 8th. In addition to these tribute concerts, Theater Within has provided over 500 free workshops in creative expression and mindfulness for children and teens and adults impacted by cancer. And uh, they also launched the John Lennon Real Love Project, a visionary songwriting program for public elementary schools. Peter Asher is hitting the road once again. I know of just three dates, May 11th in Boston, May 12th in Westerly, Rhode Island, and May 13th in Red Bank, New Jersey. If I know of any more, I'll certainly let you folks know. And we need to wish a very happy birthday, a little bit belated here to Yoko Ono, <laughs> who uh, last Friday turned 89 years old. God bless her. And uh, a tribute CD for Yoko called Ocean Child songs of yoko ono was released the same day and a reminder that as we speak um the beatles and india a brand new documentary on how the beatles were affected by indian music and their culture and in in return how they became ambassadors to the world and you know taught them about indian music and philosophy especially through george harrison 
Um, that is being shown right now on BritBox. It's being streamed. That's a channel in the US and Canada with British uh, programming. And uh, we just did an interview, which I'll talk about later, with uh, the co-producer of, uh, of the documentary on things we said today. So um, Peter Compton is his name, but it is supposed to be running uh, through 2026 hmm. on BritBox, but there'll oh, also wow. be a DVD and a Blu-ray coming out fairly soon. All right. All right. I just saw it. I thought it was very good. Yep. Absolutely. I think it's, it's excellent. There's going to be some yep. footage in there that you've never seen before. And in particular, um, I just want to bring up this one thing. Uh, I wasn't aware that um, while the Beatles were in Rishikesh, uh, there was a birthday party uh, thrown for Patty Harrison. And after that, the Beatles rehearsed on the rooftop of one of the bungalows there. Yes. You know, and oh. they showed a couple of photos from that one from George cool. and one from John, you know. So as I said, it wasn't the first time they played on a rooftop. <laughs> yep. That is they true. did it in India. Right. But um, yeah. yeah, really good documentary that I, I strongly advise you guys to watch. Agreed. So um, yeah, we move on to our main topic for tonight, which is about Ringo Starr's career in the 70s. And in the first half, you couldn't do much better than Ringo did. Uh, between 1971 through the beginning of 75, he scored seven top 10 singles in the United States. And I should also point out that his success wasn't just limited to America. He had success, quite a lot of success in, in Europe in particular, and some success in the UK, especially. Um, it always seems like in America, they do the best, <laughs> the solo Beatles. But, um, you know, the string of hits from It Don't Come Easy onto Back Off Boogaloo, Photograph, You're 16, Oh My My, Only You, and the No-No song, seven top 10 singles in a row with two number one singles, Photograph and You're 16, in the U.S. And then um, in the first half, he had several albums and uh, Sentimental Journey, went as far as number 22 in America, followed by uh, Bukus of Blues, which sadly only went to 65, certainly is recognized more now. A lot of people wish Ringo would go back to country. Um, the Ringo album was a huge smash, peaking at number two in America. Good Night Vienna went to number eight. So we actually had two top 10 albums back to back. And very often it said that you know, Ringo was the biggest hit maker of the solo Beatles in the first half of the 70s. Actually, that's not really true because Paul was always the biggest <laughs> hit maker. But it was not shabby what Ringo accomplished um, in the first half of that decade. So what happened after that is still somewhat of a mystery to me. I've always been somewhat baffled by the fact that after Goodnight Vienna, his singles and albums pretty much tanked. I mean, the follow-up album, not counting the greatest hits of Blasphemy Past, but Ringo's Rodegovior went as high as number 28 right. on the charts here in America. The first single, A Dose of Rock and Roll, peaked at number 26. Again, it's respectable, it is top 40, but if your first single doesn't really do well, the chances are not too good for the follow-up single or for the rest of the album mm. to do well. 
After Ringo's Vertigo Viewer, he released Ringo the Fourth, which only went as far as 162 on the charts, followed by Bad Boy, which only went to 129. And, um, you know, his showings have not been impressive. Bad Boy, uh, I just said 129. Stop and Smell the Roses went to 98. He didn't have another chart album in America until Vertical Man. Okay, mm. and that went to 61, Ringo Rama, 113. But my point is, right after Goodnight Vienna, everything changed. And there could be a number of reasons for that. And I thought this is um, this could be a very interesting topic because we all have different ideas as to why we think uh, Ringo sales plummeted the way that they did. And so why don't we start with you, Kit? Okay, well... I, I think, you know, for me, there, there are a few reasons. I mean, you know, and a few people brought this up uh, online and uh, certainly one of them being, and I'm sure, you know, we're all going to make various comments. Uh, he had, you know, personal issues, um, certainly throughout the 70s. Um, he uh, was definitely doing way too much partying. Um, you know, I think we can all agree on that. And he even said, you know, in later interviews that, you know, specifically his drinking uh, got in the way and, and he started caring less about the music and, and more about that. Um, and it's uh, kind of startling. I was looking, uh, you know, when I was kind of uh, looking up information on this, I mean, it was just kind of startling when you read different interviews he gave to promote various albums. I mean, he was always drinking and, and, oh, and talked very openly about mm -hmm. all the drinking he did. So, I, I mean, that is definitely a factor. Um, another factor, I think, is, um, you know, he worked so well with Richard Perry. Um, you know, I, I just think Richard Perry really knew how to work with him. And, and in an interview that he did, I, I think it was actually to promote um, a book, uh, an autobiography uh, that he wrote. Um, he talked about recording Ringo uh, with, with uh, uh, yeah, Ringo with, with uh, Ringo. And he said that, you know, what an incredible experience it was for obvious reasons. And one of the things he said, which I thought was interesting, was that, you know, it, it was at times, you know, such a like almost a party atmosphere that, you know, that in addition to all the great musicians that played on there and, and you know, the Beatles themselves would come in and, and play on the various songs, you know, Peter Sellers would drop by and, and so forth. But Richard Perry said, but I always stopped it before it got out of hand. Mm. You know, he mm. said, we had a job to do. And he said, you know, it, it, I always said, you know, okay, we've got to get to work here. This is a, you know, we can't just party all day. And I wonder if when he switched labels, which may have also been a mistake, um, you know, when he went to Atlantic, um, you know, if he lost that structure. And, and Ringo also talked about how I guess Richard Perry did take after take after take with him. Mm. And when he worked with uh, Arif Martin, I don't think there was that structure. Not that Arif Martin was, I mean, he was a top producer. There's no slouch. No yeah. slouch. Yeah. But maybe his, you know, his, um, method didn't work as well for Ringo and Richard Perry also talked about how he chose songs very carefully 
uh, for Ringo as well. I mean, of course he had um, John, Paul, and George writing for him, but um, mm-hmm. in this interview, you know, Richard Perry talked about approaching Hoyt Axton uh, and got it, getting the no-no song, which was a perfect song for Ringo. Sure. I mean, wow, you know, and that turned into a big hit. So I'm wondering if that was part of it. I'm not saying Ringo should have repeated himself throughout the 70s. Mm. I understand you want to, you know, not just do the same songs. I mean, he couldn't do Ringo part two, part three, part four. But it just seems like those two albums he did with Richard Perry did so well. And then after that, you know, Mm. it it kind of, they started getting spotty in quality. Um, Mm. So I'm wondering, you know, for me, that may have been part of the issue is when he stopped working with Richard Perry. It's kind of interesting. When I listened, when those records came out, I certainly wasn't thinking the same, along the same lines there, because I like the production that Arif Martin brought to to Ringo's album with Ringo's Rotogravure. But to me, and I know I brought this up before on our show. There's no doubt Ringo was a great album, superb album. Goodnight Vienna was a fairly solid album. It was good. Yeah, not, not as really good. as good as as the Ringo album. Yeah. But I just don't see this. Despite the fact that there was a lot of partying, I don't see this real steep decline in the quality of the albums when you're talking about Ringo's Rotogravure. Ringo the Fourth and Bad Boy. When you compare it to Goodnight Vienna, yes, compared to Ringo, it's not as good. And I still think that there's enough strong material to to release the singles. A dose of rock and roll. I don't understand why that wasn't a top ten hit. That was a solid song all the way through. And um, but it's it's interesting what you said there about Richard Perry's comments. You know that he did take after take after take. There were times, and you can you can sense it with. Uh, certainly some of the stuff on Ringo the Fourth, where his vocals were not <clears throat> up to snuff. And yep. you could tell that he'd been drinking and it sh- kind of shows in the music. Right. But at the same time, I know that we've said here on the show when talking about Ringo the Fourth, that's part of the appeal, <laughs> you know, <laughs> of Ringo is that, you know, he's a party guy. And, you know, if he was in the bar, he'd be singing songs like this. He's one of us. <laughs> to a hardcore you know? to a hardcore Ringo fan, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> like, myself, like myself. Well, but I don't know about the general public. Yeah, but uh, some good points that you raised there, uh, Kent. We'll we'll talk about other things as well. But yep. initially, um, Tom, what what would you say was one of the biggest reasons? Well, I, I tend to uh, right. I tend to agree with Kit on on what she said, especially with the drinking, you know, and and whatever else he was mm. doing. Um, with that you tend to not be as innovative as maybe as you once were. Um, I think he stopped being as creative uh, as he once was maybe with the Beatles or early on in his, his career with, with the, the drumming. Um, when, it, when you talk about Ringo Rotovier, I, I tend to think, you know, same concept, different producer. Yeah. But you have a lot of great quality help. You've got John, George, and Paul there, right? The all contributing songs. However, I don't think that these songs stand up to the other songs that that Paul, John and George have given them in the past or have contributed with them in the the past. Pure Gold, I think, is a throwaway track. Might be good for Ringo, but I just don't see how it's anywhere near as good as six o'clock. 
Um, agreed. Cook, cooking yep. in the Kitchen mm. of Love is nowhere near John's best work. I mean, it might yep. be agreed. good for Ringo, but mm. it's it's not good writing. I'll still love you. I t- I I like it. That's my favorite of the three. However. I would have loved to have George on this track. I mean, I know George is probably off doing what he was doing, but part of George's, I mean, Ringo's success was his work with, with, um, with George. And the proof is in the charts. I mean, you're a chart guy. Can all that stuff he does with, he did with uh, George all was successful. Um, you know why this wasn't successful because it, it just wasn't as good. Right. Now, why didn't these albums do as well? Well, what was on the charts in 76? Hotel California. Oh. Hotel Cal- You put Ringo's Road of Gavira next to Hotel California, and you tell me if these songs are any, are any good as songs on Hotel California. Um, songs in the Key of Life. Are those songs anywhere near as good as songs of Key of Life? I don't think so. Now, um, you know, they're great Eagles greatest hits. Again, another phenomenal record. Uh, Peter Frampton comes alive. Now, these albums, Boston's debut, these albums just weren't great albums. These were albums that stayed in the top 10 for months and months and mm-hmm. months and months. And you're That's not going to tell me that a weak Ringo album that we like, yes, we <laughs> like it. To, to, the, to the casual Ringo fan, you know, they're going to listen to Hotel California. They're going to listen to Peter Frampton Comes Alive. I, I don't see how his work competes. You know, now, and I know this isn't really why his decline is, but I think it's part of it. I don't think that, uh, you know, a good Ringo album or a subpar Ringo album can compete with all these other great albums. And as all of these artists were getting better and better, Ringo was not getting better and better. He was on Mm -hmm. the decline personally and and, and in musicianship wise. Now, another thing is with starting with Ringo the Fourth, he started taking ownership. Okay. He started writing more, right? We talked about this before with Vinnie Pontia. Mm. Great. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I admire him for that. But as we learned with the monkeys, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a winning combination. Once you take over your career, you know, he had a f- great formula with those two first with the, with Ringo and Goodnight Fiona. Yeah. And I think the, the uh, same with Ringo's road of Gavure, same formula, but unfortunately didn't do as well. But, you know, you get with uh, Ringo the Fourth, those songs, they're not that strong either. I mean, Wings didn't chart, right? If I, the, the single Wings, it didn't it chart. It didn't chart. No, right. it didn't chart. Okay song. But again, then you look at what's, you know, what's what in 77. You can't tell me to put, you can't put Bad Boy up to Rumors and tell me that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Rumors. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, you know I, mean, I, I got to say, you know, Tom, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying here, yeah. but um, first of all, I love the songwriting that Ringo did with Vinnie Ponce, and I happen to think it yeah. was very strong, you know, but um, you talked about whether or not Ringo was innovative with his drumming. You go to the Ringo album or a Goodnight Vienna, and he's double drumming all the time with yeah. Tim Pelter. Okay. Okay. Right. And if you want to make the point compared to other albums of the time, you can go to 1974 when Goodnight Vienna came out and mm-hmm. you could say, well, that doesn't compare to fulfilling this first finale right. or, you know, our Innovisions, oh. whatever. But what, uh, Steve, there's a lot of great the albums do. that were at the, the same time. Right. 
But the contributions from the other, from the people that are helping them were, were greater. Like, I, I, how cool would it have been if, let's say, on Rigo's Rutter instead of pure gold, we got let them in, you know, which, from my understanding, was a possibility. You know, mm-hmm. how cool would it have been? I could definitely see Ringo singing Cracker Box Palace. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I could, I would love to see Ringo said, I was so old when I was, I was so young when I was born. You know, I, <sighs> it, it, you know, th- that's a definitely, it's a Ringo song. You know, I'm not saying that was ever a possibility. What I'm saying is, is what they, the other guys were offering him weren't up to snuff as the stuff that they were offering him in, in, in the past. Before, you could always just point to the Ringo album and say that that's the best material right there. Right. But I still oh, think absolutely. pure gold, yeah. pure gold does no throwaway to me. I think cooking in the kitchen of love is the weakest of all the Lennon yeah, songs that he gave yeah. to, to Ringo. Right. No For question sure. about it. And right. I like I'll Still Love You, which yeah. still has a George Harrison-esque guitar solo right. in there as well. So it does sound like a George Harrison song anyway. Right. So, you know, I, you know, again, I just don't feel my personal opinion. I just felt like as other musicians were, were, were improving, Ringo was on decline as a performer, as a musician. Um, Maybe, you know, he was writing good songs. Again, I admire him for taking that leap and, and wanting to be better at that. That's no doubt. I, I don't, you know disagree with him wanting to do that i'm just saying that you know the quality stuff that he was writing with vinia just wasn't as strong as you know the stuff the other stuff that was coming out in that time you know it's i'm not saying that i don't like these albums i listen to these albums i'm just thinking on terms of other people what they you know what they're listening to you know what they think if they've got this Ringo, uh, you know, this album in 76, and then if they were listening to Hotel California after that, I mean, honestly, can tell me honestly, what album would you listen to over again after you listen to this album in Hotel California? Oh, geez, you know, <laughs> but I do like I do like Ringo's Road of Your so do I. I probably, so do I. I probably because of my love for Ringo, would listen more to Ringo, right? That's me, okay, personally. But I don't think that the material was that much weaker than Goodnight Vienna. That's fine. That's, you that's know, fine. That's, right. that's all that I'm saying. And right. I do think that the songs he wrote with Vinnie with Poncia were very, very strong. Right. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Joe's been dying no. away. So like, What's the point? Is there really any point now of going? Of going because, come on. Come on. I've been dying you know, sometimes when you go third, Sometimes when you go third, folks, it's... It, mm-hmm. it, it's a good thing. Sometimes it sucks. So yeah. there's nothing I can say <laughs> that Tom hasn't already said. No, but no, go ahead. The good thing, no, of course I'm going to. The good thing is that now Ken's a little more more like uh, used to it because Tom had, had to take the first hit. So <laughs> I agree with that. Everything Tom, just about everything Tom said, 150%. And that's what my notes have here. Basically, the way I put it for me is, well, you know, now, Sentimental Journey and especially Bukus of Blues are kind of respected, especially Bukus of Blues now. At the time, they mm-hmm. weren't setting the world on fire. I would say what Ken said earlier, talking about the singles like uh, It Don't Come Easy and Back Off Boogaloo, that's really where Ringo starts really coming into to it. Yeah, he's becoming uh, popular and mm-hmm. causing John to say, like on the Tom Snyder show in 75, how's his recording career going to be? He said, we wondered. 
It's actually better than mine is probably, he said in 75, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, he started doing well. And, of course, the Ringo album, that's like lightning, you know. You, you know, in a bottle, you catch that in there. It's got everything, the right production, uh, the right help, the right guest stars, a cast of thousands, so to speak, including, of course, right, John, Paul, and George. And that's uh, it was just such a perfect... Uh, formula, so to speak, and the songs were there. The songs were mm-hmm. really great, you know. God, all the you know number ones we could list them, but we know photograph for starters. You know, my sister went out, who was not a, a Beatles or solo Beatles guy. She was younger than me, but she bought the forty-five, which I still have. Of oh my my, she has her initials on mm-hmm. the apple. Oh. On it. <laughs> you know, she loved oh my my. It was like almost like that disco-y feel at the time, which was up coming up. Uh, that kind of sound. Um, but anyway, so now that's a good point that has been brought up about the label. I was going to throw that in there, that Ringo yeah. was on Apple, then it was over to Atlantic. Right. But you can't really, can you really argue that he wasn't promoted as well at Atlantic? I don't know about that because there's a lot of promotional items I have of Ringo in that era from Atlantic. You know, uh, they seem to promote him. All right. Maybe Apple could have done a little better. Uh, don't know. But. I do think uh, there's diminishing returns with the formula. I think the formula, let's say my friends and the ex-Beatles and everybody, it was diminishing returns every album. And I do think that the the material that was offered up by uh, John, certainly. I mean, you know, I love John, you know. Cooking in the Kitchen of Love, terrible, I think. You know, I'm glad Ringo, it's good for Ringo, though, anyway, in a way, because he has that kind of like you know, charming little personality. I'd rather hear Ringo sing Cooking in the Kitchen of Love than John. But, you know, starting with I'm the Greatest, then going down to Goodnight Vienna, it's all down to Goodnight Vienna, which I like also. But, you know, and then down, that's John. Then we have Paul. Yeah, I think that Pure Gold, it's pleasant enough. I enjoy it. And I do enjoy the Rotor Gravure album, by the way. Mm -hmm. But I do sense to me that it's kind of like for Paul, kind of like just a knockoff that really... Uh, it isn't as good as six o'clock, for example. Um, I think everything's going to be measured on... up against six o'clock, right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you don't even have to. You don't have to measure it. Just the people didn't didn't like what they heard. The general public. Nobody fell over this album, whereas they fell over for uh, the first uh, two. We'll call them. You know, meaning you know Ringo always thinks the Ringo album is my first album, really, and. You know, then mm-hmm. then good night Vienna. So diminishing returns, I think. You know, arguably, and this is my opinion. Um, good night Vienna has such good moments on there. You know, we know no no song snookeroo only you right. etc. Yeah. Uh, I like I like uh, it's all down to good night Vienna. Yeah. But uh, to me, sure it's do. still a step down slightly to me from Ringo. And then I think that Rodo Gravures stepped downward a little more in in song choices for Rodo Gravure. That Ringo the Fourth is really uh, a step down. And by by Ringo the Fourth, um, I think Ringo is really by that time really you know abusing, using and abusing, as he said. And it, as we said, it shows in the recordings. Yeah. You can really hear it in a lot of the tracks. Yeah, a lot of fun for us. I, I, I'll take Ringo anywhere. I get the idea. I know what Ringo's about. I get it. And I, and for me, it works to hear drowning in the sea of love with Ringo sounding like he's drowning. I, I, I think it's great. <laughs> but I can understand why that you know that can't 
I'll hold up against that. Again, whatever was big, go your own way. Uh, don't stop uh-huh. thinking about tomorrow. Whatever was was big in there. It just doesn't fit fit in as well with that. I don't think the quality was there as much. And then, um, you know, as far as the drinking in general goes, though, Ringo claims, too, that he was like this from his youth, that this alcoholism, mm-hmm. it wasn't like it really yeah. started in, like, 76 or seven, you know, he said sometimes right. he couldn't remember playing with the Beatles, which is not really nice to hear. But there's not that much evidence of it to me, we, we, you know, in the Beatles days as much. But you can see the evidence, you know, when you see him in those years of uh, Atlantic and so forth. And then uh, we had like Ringo uh, doing Bad Boy, which is an album I always stick up for. I, you know, I like yeah. it. I don't think it was again. I don't think it was going to knock anybody out. In, at that point in 78. Saturday think... Night Fever in Greece. I mean, nothing was going yeah. yeah, to... Yeah, Saturday Night Fever, right? In, in the yeah, Grease soundtrack, nothing was going to move those two albums. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, I'm not just going to compare it to... I don't want to... It's not like the, the, the cop-out. Oh, it's just compared against other contemporary songs of the day. That That's mm-hmm. not fair, you know, kind right. of thing. But I think that's what the, the general public was liking versus what they didn't like, more or less, you know? I didn't think it really... Uh, like what Tom was trying to get, I don't think it really fit along for the most for the most uh, part for general music listeners. Um, and it's just unfortunate that you know he he really cooked again, as we know, with nineteen ninety two with his yeah. comeback album. Uh, you know, time takes time, which I didn't go it. anywhere you know, on the right. track. Yeah, and what yeah, is, that what was because he was on a tiny label that couldn't afford to. What a shame! You know, it was yeah. on a tiny label, and I tell you, but what happens after a while, I think, is that then people just don't want to know anymore. They oh, it's Ring, oh Ringo, another Ringo album. You know, it's like no, no, listen, this is great. This one, you know, I mean, I really, you know, that's my second favorite Ringo album. Me know? too. Uh, mm-hmm. Time takes time, but you know, we're getting ahead of it of the story. But you know, uh, it got to the point is that no matter what Ringo accomplished, maybe. Um, nobody, by the time you get to a point where people aren't listening, or well, with just Ringo with one of those sour albums of his or whatever they think, you know, they're not going to even give it a fair chance. And it's a, it's a, it's a damn shame that, uh, Weight of the World wasn't a big hit single. Yeah, yeah uh, it is. It sure is. And a real, real shame that, uh, Don't Go Where the Road Don't Go wasn't a popular radio track. Yep. You know, for just off the top of my head, and many others from that uh-huh. album qualify yeah. but yeah so i'm think, thinking of all the different reasons seems like a combination of things we're learning richard perry uh maybe the label change although i'm not too sure of that um ringo getting to the point as i said where he's like really abusing a little too much now and really just drowning his sorrows too much not taking the albums that seriously he, he, he would go on to try harder by the time he was in in the 90s you know trying to do it okay. um yeah so that's it. Well, I think that, you know, first of all, let me just stress here that this is all speculation on our parts. Yeah, true. And true. this is yeah. all of us saying our opinions here. But I'm saying truthfully from the heart, you know, and I know that there'll, there'll be some people who will say, well, that's because you're a Beatle fan. To me, if you like the Ringo album and Goodnight Vienna, I honestly don't see this, this decline that you're talking about with Ringo's Road to Gavura, Ringo the Fourth, and Bad Boy. I think they're enjoyable albums. They're not great albums. And even when you make the point that compared to everything else that was on the charts, you can make that case any year 
<laughs> there's yeah. always other albums that were standout albums that were not from the solo Beatles from those years. And you could say, well, how is this compared to Led Zeppelin four, for example, how is this compared to dark side of the moon or something like that? There's always other great albums that are coming out at the same time, but I just don't see, I could understand like a gradual phasing going down in sales, but not this sharp a decline so quickly. Well, and you also, you also raised the point, Joe, I think you did about formula. And, you know, to someone like myself, I, I, I praise artists that are not formulaic, but at the same time, I still like some that are. And you also, you're dealing with a business where formula works for a long time with certain artists and record companies want more of the same once they've heard, you know, for example, when Ringo came out, big hit, you're 16. So we made sure that the follow-up albums had a cover song that mm -hmm. was a big hit from the past and only you worked. Okay. Oh. Ringo's Rotogravure, he does Hey Baby on there. Not nearly as good as the other two songs as far as I'm concerned. But mm -hmm. still, it's that's that formula thing. Make sure you have some of your best friends on there. The other Beatles, if you can, other superstars, the band, whoever you want to have on there, Harry Nilsson. And he was doing that. But I, I, I just I failed to understand why there was this complete plummet the way that it was. I can understand if, you know, the albums did a little bit less and a little bit less and a little bit less. And the singles still did fairly well. But to die the way that it did, it doesn't make much sense to me. I, but I, I think that, that you, you raised the point there, kid, about the record label. I don't remember that much promotion being done for Ringo stuff on Atlantic. I remember full page ads and billboard and all that. But I don't remember this big push on radio. You know, and even though radio, Ringo made yeah. videos, I never saw them unless I went to, to Beetlefest yeah. for the most part. Or, you know, if I had friends of mine that collected that stuff, you know, I didn't see Ringo videos on television. And this yep. is pre-MTV, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's some videos I just... <laughs> There you go. Yeah, well, there go. Well, yeah, there's some promotional items. But yeah, there were some videos that I didn't know existed until fairly recently. Right. <laughs> I'm like, there yeah. were, like the ones, uh, I think you don't know me at all. I'm like, there was a video for this? Sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Drowning in the Sea of Love. You know, I didn't yeah. realize that until Listen. we, uh, you know, did some research on it. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ken, what you were saying about, um, like, the, the oldies, for example, like, you're 16. And then only you being successful. You know, I was also thinking as you were speaking, I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but we also were in the craze of the 50s revival, uh, right. 73 and 74. You know, we had American Graffiti and Happy Days was premiering. And uh, I don't know if Shanana was sure. big then. That, there was this 50s revival that by 76, maybe not as much. Hmm. Just a thought. Well, Happy um, Days was I still wouldn't... big. Yeah, Happy yeah. Days was huge. There were still the covers of 50s. <laughs> yep. You know, you had uh, Buddy Holly covers from Linda Ronstadt with It's So Easy and All That'll right. Be The Day. You know, there were other other hits. Handyman from, mm -hmm. from James Taylor. Um, so you did have some hit records that were remakes in the latter half of the 70s of 50 songs. No, but that's definitely true. The, the 50s craze that happened in the 70s. 
maybe that helped your 16 to some degree. Um, and, and, you know, in fact, it's also Ringo there, I see. Yeah. The, the original, so your 16, the Johnny Burnett, Johnny Burnett was in American Graffiti, too, mm. as well. Yes. So, yeah. But um, I, I do think to some degree that there wasn't the promotion on Atlantic that there was when he was on Apple. And at the same time, I also do fault Ringo to some degree because I don't recall him giving many interviews around this time to promote his albums. He, and yeah. maybe that's good. Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah. I, you know, in doing research for this, no. he did give some um, to the British press, uh, particularly. But yeah, I've seen some. But they were like half hour interviews. And boy, could you tell. And, and, and the journalists would comment on it. He hated every minute of it. I mean, he mm. did not want to be there. Uh, some of the interviews were pretty surly. Um, and so, you know, I don't think he always got the best press coverage and, you know, it was kind of his own fault, uh, because yeah. And, and as I said, always with a drink in hand and, and, uh, although he would get frustrated and in some ways I don't blame him because a lot of journalists didn't want to talk about his new album. You know, they only yeah. wanted to talk Beatles stuff. Right. And, and you uh, can well, tell I could how much be wrong, that really but frustrated I think I've seen... him. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've seen more interviews. I could be wrong, but I think just off my memory, I see more interviews though of Ringo interviewing on television programs, a lot of different countries, uh, and some audio audio stuff that I have on like some New York radio stations of seventy seven and seventy six. Not as many as seventy three. Right. I don't think I see see that much stuff in seventy three of promotion mm. of Ringo as much. Yeah. I'm talking about um, making the rounds. Well, fortunately, uh, the, I, I the music care. was strong enough to speak for itself. Yeah. Probably, oh, yeah. You know, for, for the most part. But well, he did true. some interviews for Roto Gravure. I've always have trouble saying that. <laughs> yeah. um, he did do some interviews for that. That's uh, why but, it didn't sell. Right? Yeah, because you can't say the damn thing. Uh, <laughs> that's the answer. Then we can go home. There you go. <laughs> he should have called it a shorter title, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, another issue too is, and, and we've talked about this in really in relation to, to Paul uh, in the eighties as well, you know, is trying to find your, your sound in the contemporary landscape. Um, and mm -hmm. Ringo definitely struggled with that. Uh, Ringo the fourth, of course, being the ultimate example of, uh, you know, of, of, and uh, Arif Martin, Martin, um, you know, that was one of his specialties was really, um, you know, having, uh, you know, his artists, you know, really tailoring his artists in, in you know, to fit modern um, sounds, but in a mm -hmm. way that it didn't sound, you know, that obvious. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, you know, really right. was able to do it. But with Ringo, it, it just didn't work, um, you know, yeah. and, and Paul in the 70s was able to adapt i mean good night tonight didn't scream disco but it was danceable enough that that it would work on the dance floor um mm. but it was you know it had kind of a danceable beat but with ringo you know it just sounded more forced um you know with the the just the typical 
bass lines and everything. I mean, it just screamed disco mm -hmm. on, on some of the, those tracks on Ringo the Fourth, and it just sounded forced. And, mm. you know, another yeah. artist, this happened to them too. I mean, he's he was far from alone in, in this period. And so I think that's another thing that with because he didn't want to sound exactly you know he didn't want to sound exactly as he did as a beetle uh you know this was mm -hmm. a new decade he was trying to fit in with as as you said tom you know he was surrounded by fleetwood mac by the eagles um and and by disco and so on and so he was trying to fit in you know where he could you know still be himself but not <clears throat> be really you know but sound a little more contemporary that's tough that is really tough to do. And, and Paul struggled with that in the, in the mid eighties. And then, you know, finally with flowers and dirt, he was able to find, you know, find his niche. Mm. <laughs> wow. I can read Ken's mind. <laughs> and I agree with now, that. First I'm of all, sorry. that's all over the show. No, but I no, love press to play. I mean, I'm not, I'm not putting down, you know, I love press to play, but of course, his, you know, a lot of his audience didn't appreciate it and thought yeah, he was but, trying to I be mean, Peter Gabriel. Well, yeah, but, but we can, we can count on Paul to, to scrape his out, you know, find his way out of the bag, yeah. you know, whereas Ringo, he, he, you know, he might need that, that push or that, right. that, that help to find his way out. Well, you that's know? another point before Ken, I know Ken has, so I know he wants to say something, but before I lose this train of thought, now this is going to sound bad, but I don't mean it to be bad because I love Ringo and Ringo at some days is my favorite mm. Beatle. I mean, you know, he's, I really love Ringo, but the thing uh -huh. is it's Ringo. That's yeah. another, just Ringo. You know, that's another exactly. thing you got to realize here too. A lot, and a lot of public thinks that too. In the he's the last guy in the Beatles, so to speak. He, you know, sometimes didn't get a song or one song or, well, uh -huh. he always got a song. I'm trying to remember, but you know, they give him a song. It's just Ringo. It's the drum. He didn't have as great vocals as the other the other guys. Uh, even though I like Ringo for what he is, but he got by a lot on his personality and his charm and. Uh, that's a big part of Ringo and who he is. And we don't love Ringo, the, the man, the character, the, the schmaltzy guy. Yeah. And maybe that just wasn't working anymore for him for a while, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking this, we got to remember that too. Yeah. We're very lucky that Ringo did as well as he did. I mean, how many guys do we know? I always say, you don't say the drummer. A lot of people say, oh, he's the drummer. No, because it depends who, who the low guy is in the band. It could mm. be the bass player of that band or, the keyboardist, whoever the, the the less guy is in the band, doesn't usually do as well as Ringo did. True, it's, it's, it's great that well, he did this well, really. Why do you suppose I go on and on about saying that all four Beatles had successful solo careers, <laughs> yeah, and what yeah. a, a wonderment that is to itself? But um, yeah. I also don't want to forget the fact that when we're talking about Ringo promoting himself, he did do a decent amount of promotion for for Bad Boy with his TV special. Right. Oh, yeah. Yes. And that, well, at yes. least he did that. And um, yeah, but gosh, there's so many things you guys touched on. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> but, but the thing is, can you, we can also debate that that TV show didn't, was it was terrible you know yeah. i mean it was it was cheap listen Jesus. again we like it oh right? for those we times like, or, uh, you know it was uh -huh. like the variety i mean you got art Carney. i mean you got you know art Carney wasn't everything and you know <laughs> back then you know i mean it's it, it, it still it just wasn't for those times you know, it, it was just fine, light entertainment I right and yeah. i liked it and i'm not calling it some masterpiece Right. No, no, you know, no, but, no, but it was fun. Is. It was right. it was it was typical entertainment for the time. Right. I yep. thought. Yeah. But you know, at the same time, 
yes, we should be grateful that Ringo had the success that he did, but Agreed. he had that success in that first half of the 70s because those were great records. Yeah. Yep. I exactly. mean, Photograph is one of the best yeah. singles that any of the Beatles ever did. Yep. You know, and it, well, yeah. they were produced well. It Don't Come Easy is a great song. You know, yes. I like Back Off Boogaloo a lot. I know you're not a big fan, Tom, of Back Off Boogaloo, I think. Yeah. Um, I you am. Know, <laughs> oh, it's fun. But, but, you know, my argument is I, I just don't see the second half of the 70s that if certain singles worked for him in the first half, right. other songs right. couldn't at all or at least gotten some attention enough to just get in the top 40. You know, mm. and maybe the public was getting kind of tired of the formula, maybe. And there's another thing that we should raise here. And you, you were kind of pointing this out, Joe, but, you know, not a lot of people want to hear a full album of Ringo. <laughs> you know, they yeah. were used to true, one song true. on a Beatles album, you know, and to suddenly a full album right. with with his voice. And I have no problem with his voice. Um, you right. know, as he has said, he's not Pavarotti. He knows his limitations and the songs that he records fits his voice. There's right. a lot of people out there that I would not call great singers, but they get by because their music, their voice is suitable for the music they put out. Right. I happen to think, you know, Barry White was a brilliant man. He was a great <laughs> producer. Right. Was he a great singer? Not really, but his voice was suitable oh, for those kind right. of you know, R&B, yeah, yeah. sexy songs. You can right. point out all throughout time a lot of people that you, you, you call them character voices, but their voices worked for right. the music that they were putting out. Right. The Beatles knew how to write for Ringo, and Ringo picked a lot of really good material. Yep. And as, as you've mentioned, Tom, and I, I like to bring up Ringo the Fourth because of the fact that Ringo really stepped up and wrote six songs out of ten. Mm -hmm. Hey, Gave It All Up is one of my favorite of yeah. all Ringo songs. Yeah. Wings is a good song. Simple love song. Again, Gypsies I'm not putting flights. them down for that. Yeah. Oh, no. It's just, they're not just, to me, to my ears, they're just not up as, to, as up to snuff as, you know, the stuff that we were getting before. And another thing, too, is I want to mention was, you know, Bad Boy was, was pretty much only like seven months right after Ringo the fourth I thought that could maybe could have was rushed a little bit now I don't I know he signed to another label after uh Ringo uh -huh. the fourth right you know so maybe they wanted something um quicker but again you know in my eyes maybe that's another fault too was was the switching of these labels and putting himself yeah. in situations that he probably shouldn't have been put in maybe do a, a single in 76 instead of an album maybe then then you know get your get a team together get to make sure those songs are a lot stronger for maybe a 77 release listen i think dose of rock and roll is a great song and i i think it, yeah. it, it deserved better that wouldn't cool if that was just you know the single for 76 or maybe you know later the later in, in the second half you you do another one or something um but uh, you know, putting himself in a situation to where maybe it wasn't where he was suited for, I think maybe that could have been, you know, a reason as well. Yeah, I just think, you know, a good producer makes all the difference. And I think, you know, Richard Perry, I, I just feel like really got Ringo, you know, right. I, and knew how to, I mean, in addition to, of course, having Paul, George, and John write some 
top shelf stuff for him, particularly on the Ringo album. Um, but, you know, as I said, reading this interview with, with Richard Perry, I mean, he really went out and found some great material for him. And, mm. uh, you know, like the no-no song and everything that, you know, no, they're not great works of art. I mean, you know, but mm. he understood that's not what Ringo needed. Um, right. You know, he needed something to, you know, songs to fit his personality, to fit his voice. And I think he was very good at, at that. And I think he gave Ringo structure. That, that he needed. Um, and I, I just think that makes all the difference. And I'm not putting down uh, Eric Martin as a producer. I mean, he was wonderful too, but I think, you know, maybe just not the best fit for Ringo, you know, just not what Ringo needed and didn't, you know, maybe understand Ringo. Because Richard Perry, of course, had previously worked with Ringo right. um, on uh, Sentimental Journey. Journey, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I just think they were really magic together. And, um, you know, after they stopped working together, you know, the quality kind of, you know, went went down. And that's just our opinions. Obviously, right. people mm. are going to like an album, you know, you know, people might like, you know, this album more than like Fort Ringo the Fourth or vice versa. Right. I mean, again, mm. it's it's what your ears, you know, enjoy. But, yeah. you know, obviously, but, you know, we're here just debating, you know, just. Yeah, and I'm not our, saying. Our, I'm we're not all saying hearing this stuff differently. You know? Yeah, not every song mm. on those other, you know, the subsequent albums are bad. I'm not saying, right. like, I hate every single song on those next albums. I just think the quality, you know, that the it was, they were more inconsistent. Let's put I, it that yeah. way. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I will agree with you on that. But yeah. I still think that, you know, I, I do believe production is important. It's not nearly as important as the quality of the song. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that those yeah. three albums, Rodeo of Your Ringo the Fourth and Bad Boy, had a lot of really good songs on them. There's a few duds, like, you know, I am not crazy about Where I Love Go and right. Ringo's no, version no. of that. No, no, you no. Know, <laughs> no. Out in the Streets from Ringo the Fourth is not a favorite of mine, but you know, it still has, for the most part, some really strong material. And that's what matters the most to me. Um, so, yeah, again, it's not as great as the Ringo album, but I just I just don't see why that sharp decline happened. Um, and also, I don't know if you if you want to agree with this, but I know that it's certainly in the 70s. That was a time when just about every single major artist put out one new album every single year. Right. It was just kind of what was expected before yeah. the days when recording artists kind of took over and they signed a contract that was more to their liking. Um, you know, uh, after Goodnight Vienna, he didn't release another album of new material till to, to Ringo's Rotogravure, and that was almost right. two years after right. Goodnight Vienna. You know, so maybe it slowed down the momentum. Mm. You've always got to keep putting out material. Right. You know, yep. you're only as good as your last hit. Right. And yeah. if your last hit was a few years ago in top 40 world, you know, that could be a long time ago. Right. So, um, you know, it's, it's, we talk a lot about Paul and how he put out something every single year consistently, <laughs> yeah. albums or singles, maybe just singles one year, but it's important. You know, to keep your music out there and keep your name out there, maybe to a lesser degree, the fact that Ringo didn't put out anything for a couple of years, that might have slowed things down. But still, and I really don't agree with the argument of, you know, listen to the other stuff that was up out at the same time, because you can say that any year <laughs> that the Beatles put no, out. No, you can't do music. that when it, 
But the stuff that uh, from '73 and '74, Ringo's singles held up for the for the time, like with the yeah. rest of what was on. Yeah. I thought the stuff yeah. was strong. The material was stronger, in yeah. my opinion. The Ringo no, album, yes, yeah. but I wouldn't yeah. say "Goodnight Vienna" is so much better than everything else that followed. And you and you brought something up. That's too, me. Ken. Yeah, you brought something up too that I like. Is you know, then you know, labels would give their artists some other artists uh, a chance to grow as artists you know they would give mm -hmm. them time they might give them like a five six album window you know i think of like a band like sticks you know they you know had you know they you know had an album not so successful album maybe a little bit more and then you know they just gradually were able to continue as a band so labels would give mm. them you know a time to to get to that point whereas well growth ringo you know being an established musician I guess maybe labels were expecting more of him that maybe he wasn't able to, you know, when he moved, especially like moving to Atlantic or moving to Polydor, you know, um, if that was the other other label, uh, I think after Atlantic. Atlantic, it was well. Right. Epic yeah. Epic. In the US. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Epic. Yes. You know, so maybe because the expectations were so high, you know, and then they didn't really necessarily like the results. He wasn't given a chance to continue to grow um, as a musician, as a writer, you know, so I, I think the it's might be might be some of the labels fall as well, you know. I don't yeah. know how much it mattered that, that much to Ringo to grow as an artist. Hmm. I think he was cranking out one album after another and just putting out enjoyable material. And there was a formula there, you know? I don't think he was looking at every album as it must be better than the last album. Right. It was just, this is what he does. He puts mm -hmm. together an album, an album with 10 songs. Here it is, you know? I've already planned a few songs as the single. One of them's a cover version. Right. You know, it was a formula that worked for a few years there, but then it stopped. Yeah, so, then in the 90s and on and beyond, he became so much more serious about, I, I think, about getting his messages across, whether it's peace and love or whether it's his Liverpool uh, bio or whatever he wanted to talk about or his love for Barbara and everything. He, it just seems he, he's, well, he's more serious about the music, you know, afterwards in the 90s and beyond. But I say that because it's a shame that you still have people that have the Ringo curse, you know, they just... They don't want to know. I mean, I know even Beatle fans that are like, no, nah, I'm still not really into Be uh, Ringo's catalog yet, you know, and stuff. And it seems it'll happen with Ringo the Fourth. Yeah. Uh, and then from that point on, and then Bad Boy for a lot of people, then uh, Old Wave and yeah. so on. Yeah. Um, I, I don't never look back still. And they're missing a lot of good Ringo stuff, I think. Yeah. Because again, when he really, when he got himself, you know, straightened out Absolutely. And, and all, I mean, he's really, mm. you know, you can hear it. In, in the music, I mean, from time takes time on. I mean, he's more invested in it. I mean, you can hear oh, it. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. There, the focus was on the quality of the songs. Mm -hmm. You know, you could just tell with time takes time. These are the 10 best songs I've got to give. Yeah. You know, he went through yeah. it all. And that's what this is. That he had four different producers and they all worked well with him. Yes. It was produced extremely well. It was performed really well. But again... You know, he's he's more concerned about just putting out good songs, not necessarily being groundbreaking. And there's nothing no. wrong with that. Mm. You know, absolutely. So, you also got to consider his motivation as well. I mean, was he motivated personally on a, on a personal level to to really do this work then? I mean, 
you know, you, you think of all of the, you know, the, the, the personal stuff he was going through, the, you know, the, the drinking, the drug use. I mean, was it really, was this really in his heart? Did he, was he just going through the motions? Um, you know, I, I think that's, you got to take that under consideration as well. Oh, I think that was part of it. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, as I said, the interview with him, um, I can't remember when it's from, but um, I I came across it uh, where he years later said that he said, I I was more interested in partying, you know, and drinking and, and all that. And I just, I lost interest Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, you're saying. I seem to remember a quote, but I can't remember it exactly. But it was worse than that. Effect, you know, know mm-hmm. it used to be like, you know, the mu- music was sick. I, I, it was a generic thing about how, mm-hmm. you know, it used to be let's get high and, and we can make a record. Yep. Now it's oh, I remember. Like, now it's yep. I found the quote, and you never give me your money. That's mm. where I found it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, is that um, where it is? Okay. And uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, and that's exa- exactly. I mean, and I yeah, and I think he said it other places too, Joe. You're right. That um, yeah. So he's been yeah. very open about that, and yeah, I mean, in Ringo the Fourth and other places, you hear it. No, no doubt about it. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can also think that. I mean, you can also argue that his heart was more into acting than it was into making music. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. that's true. Another thing. That was another thing that yeah. was distracting it's, him. Yeah. It's the fact that this was the life that he knew. And mm-hmm. once he was releasing the Ringo album, he was saying, well, this is what I do. I make an album every year, you know? So whether or not his heart was in it as much, we could debate that point. Um, I still think that the material was, was very good. And mm-hmm. that is really ultimately yeah. what matters to me the most. Not always whether it's as good as the Ringo album, you know, um, every artist has got, for the most part, an album that is looked upon as being their best work. And, you know, if you're a fan of that artist, you don't necessarily have to compare everything that they do to that one album. But, well, that's, you know, but, that, but that's was, not what we're referring to, I don't think, though, you know, um, you know, I mean, I think the general public who doesn't follow all the albums like we do doesn't even compare them. Just what they're hearing. <clears throat> Or yeah. not hearing sometimes, I guess. They don't, In most cases, it's not hearing. <laughs> you know, because if it's not being promoted, cases, it's not being played on the radio, and right. how can people judge it? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's true. So. Okay, so is there anything else you guys want to bring up? Yeah. I think we've kind of uh, <sighs> mentioned yeah. everything did, that we can. Well, did, did he hurt himself by not touring either? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's, that's a good point. Um, yeah. As much as I admire Ringo so much for all the touring that he's done from 1989 on, and thank you, David Fishoff, for putting the bug in his ear to do that with the All Stars. <laughs> um, imagine if he had toured, you know, from say the mid 70s on and promoted mm-hmm. his current albums of the time, you know, but yeah, um, that's, that's a good too. point. Uh, mm. You know, Paul's been the only one that really wanted to keep touring over and yeah. over again i mean george did the well, other tour what, in japan after before but it, it's such an ingenious idea in a way how ringo finally did came up or whoever did with the all stars because and the pun on the name star you know stars <laughs> because he used to say on some of the interviews like on donahue and stuff you know he's thinking about touring but then again how would i do it because he didn't want to just do a whole show carry a whole show and he likes to play too 
and, and let, you know, he's used to let other people used to say, do it. So how do you do that? Well, with the all-stars, he was able to do it by the rotation, going up in front right. and going back and playing, have somebody else carry the load for a while and come back. It was a great idea. Absolutely. Yeah. Genius. And that, that was David Fishoff who helped set up the monkeys tours, you know, and um, I know Fishoff is not working with Ringo and hasn't been for quite a while. And Ringo's just carried it on. So, but uh, we're so grateful that he got the ball rolling when he did in, in 1989. But yeah, it is kind of sad that Ringo didn't do this earlier because yeah. it can only have helped hmm. his record sales. Right. Agreed. Yep. That's a good point. You know? Anyway, so I think that just about does it for this topic. Yeah. Um, if you, if you guys watching, this, a lot, a lot of, yeah, a lot of it was a good discussion. I mean, it's yeah. a there are a lot of reasons. I mean, it's it's uh, more complicated than you think. Yeah, it is. I don't think it all comes down to you know his music good night, wasn't as good. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's all dot dot down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what it all comes down to. Yeah, I mean, we can debate that for hours, Ken, whether or not, you know, the material wasn't up to snuff. I mean, yes, I think we're going to look at it differently yeah. because we're invested uh, in, in, in Ringo and, and the other three. And then as a group, we're going to look at it differently than, say, the, the, the regular Joe uh, Schmo on, the, you know, listening to his radio and then, you know, comparing like a dose of rock and roll to maybe photograph. And this maybe not thinking it's not as good and then maybe just not buying it. You know, who knows? You know, mm. absolutely. that's absolutely yeah. true. Yeah. And, and and there's a lot of reasons. We've mentioned and yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah. 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 And we should mention that a viewer uh, suggested this topic as well. So thank yes. you for the oh, for the yes. suggestion. And, I forgot and, to write his name down. I'm so sorry. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just can I mention a, a quote a quote in here from Ed Chen. He says, yeah. uh, you know, Ringo once said, I was drunk. I didn't notice some of those years are absolutely gone. Wow. And it's more from his mind, you know. Yeah, I remember him saying stuff like that. Wow. Well, thank God he got yeah, sober. But, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. But sometimes an artist is their own worst critic. You mm -hmm. can't just go by what an artist says is their best work or whether a certain work is, is weak. You know, I can't tell you how many times a Beatle has said something that I don't agree with about right. one of their songs no, or albums. Agreed. So um yep, true. that's just how it is. Agreed. Yeah. That's true. Cool. All right. So All right. why don't we go around the corner here and tell everybody what's going on in their lives and in their shows. <laughs> Let's start with, with Joe. Let's start with Joe. Thanks. I always appreciate that. You first. Know, first I, have, I, have, I have less to talk about. No. Um, well, recently on my channel uh, on YouTube, of course, me and Mr. Mayo, uh, I talked about the, the Jimmy Kimmel appearance that Ringo did. You know, went into it a little more than we did here, I guess. And just did another Fab Gab show where we talked about Revolver and ranked uh, the songs. I had a couple of guests on there, Sam St. John mm -hmm. and Matthew Turnage. And we ranked our least favorite to most favorite. I had done that show already, but uh, wanted to redo it because of a glitch. So here we are. Mm -hmm. uh, Great show. And this time my list came out a little different, by the way. I didn't hmm. consult my list when I did it like a year ago. I, it's a little different, but it's funny. It was kind of the same, but yet a few notch differences. Hmm. That's the Beatles for you. Yes, yep. it is. What do we keep saying? Yep. Opinions can change. That's right. Yep. That's right. Yeah. right. You'll be calling Thriving Pain, Driving Rain soon, Joe. 
Um, sooner <laughs> than you think, I, I, I think. I think I'm ready to do that. Tom, how about you? Well, you know, again, you know, like you stated uh, before, Ken, you were, we're always doing something. So, but um, this past Saturday, we, we posted our latest episode, which was on the unplugged uh, performance, the, the, you know, the TV show, the, the CD, um, the differences, what was left in, what was left out. Um, you know, we talked about that in length. Uh, yesterday, Sunday, we just had a great discussion with Owen Ling, who has that, uh, that book, George Harrison in the 70s coming out, I believe in March. Um, so that's on Amazon right now. So you can check, you can look for that. That. And then we also had Adrian Sinclair, who, as we know, uh, by listening to Ken's show and, and, and to my show and this show, that uh, he's working on the McCartney Legacy book with uh, Alan Cozen, which, um, you know, from, from what I've seen uh, before, from stuff that he sent me and what from Alan has, has talked about, I really believe that this is going to be the, the be all to end all books on McCartney. And uh, this is really might be the one, the book we, do, we all deserve uh, from McCartney. But However, we did talk about the song Live and Let Die. We, we busted some myths and uh, we had a great discussion on that. And um, I want to thank Ken Michaels for having us on his latest episode of the Ken Michaels radio show on his YouTube channel, where we, uh, myself and my co-host Andy we and, and Ken as well, we, we discussed what we feel McCartney's best creative peak was and um you know i think that was a really good discussion there's been some good comments on that so head over to uh ken michael's radio youtube channel and uh check that discussion out you might uh, you might you might enjoy it um and please head over <laughs> to the two legs uh a paul mccartney podcast youtube channel and please subscribe we're getting closer to 1000 subs and uh you know that's our goal um so right. thank you everybody for listening all right all right Kitster, you're next. Right. <laughs> it's the Kitster. All right. I'm, I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna say kitten. All right. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, first of all, of course, you can find uh, us here at Talk More Talk uh, on our Facebook page. You can find us on Twitter. Um, at TalkMoreTalk1, uh, the number one. You can find us on the web at TalkMoreTalk.com. Um, obviously, you can find us right here on our YouTube page. Uh, and of course, uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe and uh, hit the, as the YouTubers say, hit that bell to uh, be notified of new episodes. And uh, also, um, you know, we want to thank you for, uh, for everyone uh, who has told their friends and everything about uh, our show and, and uh, for the new subscriptions. We're, we're growing all the time and we can't do it without you. Um, and uh, you can also email us with feedback and suggestions. See? sometimes your suggestions become a show right. um so uh, just email us at talkmoresolotalk at gmail.com and of course uh we want to send a shout out to beetle ed at fab4 radio uh who runs this show as well as uh, many of our individual shows so mm -hmm. uh, shout out to him uh, and of course, you can find the audio version of this show on virtually any podcasting platform. Thank you. You kids. can imagine. Yes. Oh, you're, <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, as far All as due to you. 
Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, as uh, as far as I go, I um, want to thank all of you, um, and I know there are a few of you tuning in tonight uh, who took my Stevie Wonder course. I had just such a great time. Um, hoping to be offering some more classes soon, and uh, just, uh, you know, you can follow me on Facebook. I'll let you know as soon as I'm offering more classes. Um, on March 15th, I will be back at uh, Tuesday Night Record Club, and this time I'm going to be uh, having the honor of discussing along with our friend Ken Womack, uh, Carol King's Tapestry. Oh, wow. Um, I am so excited uh, about it. This great is album. Just great, great album. So that'll be at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, absolutely free to enroll. I will, of course, have all the details uh, and the link where to, um, to uh, sign up to join on um, our uh uh, Facebook page and my own. So, uh, so hope to see you there. And I think that's everything. Well, you covered all my heroes there, Kit. <laughs> Wonder, Carol King. Yeah. Paul Simon's coming up and Milton John and all yep. my other favorites. Besides <laughs> there the you go. Besides the Beatles. Yep. Okay. Before I get to my activities, I want to make sure I don't forget to say ahead of time, a very happy birthday to our own kiddo tool. Yes. Who's having a birthday on leap day. And I figured out kinda. Kinda. Um, I figured out that she's well, probably seven years old. She will be seven years old then. Um, you could probably figure that out. <laughs> Thank you. And I also want to uh, say a big thank you from all of us to a guy named Judge Timbers who has yes. his own YouTube yeah. channel. And this guy, in case you don't know, he plays the acoustic guitar and he teaches you how to play Beatles songs and solo Beatles songs and a lot of Tom Petty songs as well. And he made a video where he listed the top eight Beatles podcasts and he had our show, Talk More Talk, as his number one Beatles podcast. And he also had two legs at number three yeah. And things we said today at number four. So Don't know so how flattered. that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you forgot Joe. Joe is somewhere in there. Yeah. <laughs> He's got it. What? Be. I'm in, to I'm I don't in the number one. Talk for talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's number That's one. True. You're yeah. number one. <laughs> I'm the everyman. I was thinking sir. of your. You know, yes, I'm like everyman. Yeah. Okay, but thank you, Judge. Just that was quite day. an honor. And uh, <laughs> check out his YouTube channel, Judge Timbers. And so as for me, um, as Tom was talking about, I did a show with Tom and Andy from Two Legs. We talked about Paul McCartney's Creative Peak. This could be any time in his career, Beatles, Wings, solo music. What do you think was his best period? Doesn't have to be one year. Could be a clump of years. Could be a decade. Wow. Could be a couple of decades. Uh, maybe you think he's at his peak now, mm. you know, with all the praise that has been heaped on McCartney three, you know, uh, a lot of people love the Egypt station and new, and those are the most recent albums. Maybe you think that's his best period. Everybody has a different opinion. And from time to time on my, on my YouTube channel, Ken Michaels radio, we'll tackle the same subject with different people and get different perspectives, which is a lot of fun. And certainly Tom and Andy did just that. And we debated what we think has been the best creative period 
or periods in Paul's entire career. Yeah. So if you can check that out at Ken Michaels Radio and please subscribe, just made it to over 800 subscribers. Yep. Need Brand to get new. it up there to a thousand yeah. if you can. Thanks to all the new ones to Ken Michaels Radio. Also on things we said today, as I mentioned earlier, we just did a show um, with Peter Compton, who is the co-director of the Beatles and India brand new documentary, which is airing on BritBox. We planned on doing that last week, but you know what? I didn't have the internet for a whole week. I, I was lost. Yeah. Isn't that pathetic? And oh. so we had to postpone that interview, but we just did it right before this show tonight. So that show should be coming out later tonight or tomorrow. Be sure to check that out on our YouTube channel. Also, we're on Podbean and iTunes, things we said today. And of course, there's my website, KenMichaelsRadio.com, where you can look up the Every Little Thing page, find out all the stations that run the show and uh, have links to their website so you can stream the show. And there's my weekly Beatles trivia where you can one of 10 prizes every single week. Very often, it could be one of Kit's books. So uh, please visit that, KenMichaelsRadio.com. I think that's everything. Okay. I was so looking. I was looking for my Ringo. I, I, I had what? a Ringo the Fourth uh, CLE track that I was going. That's why I was going off the air a little bit. I was oh. looking for it, and I couldn't find okay. it. I, was, I got a sealed one. <laughs> oh wow! Perfect timing. Next time. Never opened. Nobody wanted to play right. it back then. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I would have played it. Anyone? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I still have carts from when I, you know, did my radio shifts back in the 80s. Wow. I got wow. nothing. I can't do anything with them. Oh, anyway, um, I would just like to say before we close, good luck to all of you trying to get McCartney tickets this week. <laughs> yes. And uh, <laughs> I'm not trying this week. I'm going to be trying tomorrow. Fingers crossed for a fresh, <laughs> fresh set list. Yes. Yeah, that too. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. I'm grateful for anything the man gives at this point. But uh, thanks so much for tuning in. And for Kiddo Tool, Tom Hunyadi, and Joe Mayo. I'm Ken Michael saying thanks for, for watching. And we will see you next time. Talk, more talk, chat, more chat.